Greetings and welcome to Inside the Master's Studio, a behind-the-screens look into the art of GMing. This week we're joined by Malika Lim. Hi everybody! I'm so honored to be here. Well, we're glad to have you here. i like to start from the very beginning. How did you first get involved with tabletop RPGs? Oh my goodness! Well, if you really want to start from the beginning... Uh, I've always been pretty much a nerd my whole life. I love comic books, anime, nerdy things, science fiction. And in college, I was in a club called Theater in the Raw. So all the other people in that club were actors. And they would play D&D, which makes sense. Actors love playing tabletop RPGs. And I'd never played D&D before. So I was like, oh... Uh, I would love to join your group. I mean, if you're like willing to teach me and stuff. And I was very intimidated by the rules. And I joined that group. And I just had the most horrible experience. I was so overwhelmed with the rules and the numbers. And I think the GM was just like frustrated. And it was not the right group for me. So I had a very traumatizing experience at first. And then eventually, um, years later, I met Zach, and I saw what he was doing with tabletop RPGs on Twitch, and uh, then we started Hyper RPG, and that was really, really cool, and I eventually joined an Adventurer's League at my local gaming store, and I really, really got into it. I loved the group, and they were really understanding and supportive, so if you are like me, I guess the moral of the story is, and you have, like, experience that is like kind of traumatizing maybe give it a second chance because tabletop rpgs are so much fun and it's just about like the power of imagination and just hanging out with your friends it's a blast do you remember the first character that you played as so i have this orc barbarian named norm norm rallo and I love that character because as a human being in society, I feel enormous pressure to sound competent and smart, right? I'm a knowledge worker. So having the freedom to play like this big old dumb thing who just runs in and rages, uh, (laughs) that was so fun and liberating for me. Do you generally try to role play as something that you can't be in your everyday life? Uh, yes and no. I mean, role-playing, like acting, I think you go deep down inside of yourself. And people are, are multifaceted. They're like onions, right? They got layers. I, for example, I don't consider myself an angry person or somebody who is a headstrong leader. But there is a part of me that has been angry before. There's a part of me that's been a leader before. And so... When I play these other roles, I love to role-play characters that don't seem quite like me, but allow myself to explore a facet that I know is there. Was Norm part of the Adventuring League or part of the group in college? No, Norm was my character when I started with the Adventurers League uh, in D&D, so it was was definitely that. Um, In college, I don't even know what kind of character to like create back then i'm sure it was probably like a wizard because magic you know with a lot of nerdy things there are these huge universes these huge ip and it's so overwhelming as a newcomer and you just kind of go with like what your friends tell you to do i similarly like the first time i played world of warcraft i didn't know what to do it's a huge universe and somebody was like oh you like nature you should be like uh, druid. So, like, that's, I think, what, mo- at least that's my personal experience, is like, oh, I don't know, I'm so overwhelmed, what should I do? And somebody who knows me, who's a friend, actually has to be that bridge that connects me, and I just kind of trust them, because they sort of know me, and then once I get the ropes, the hang of it, I kind of just dive in, and I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I do like nature, but I want to be this person who causes pollution and destruction on the world. I don't know. And then you're ultimately defeated by Captain Planet? Yeah, pretty much. And wish I had a little bit more heart. What's the longest that you've played a character for? I think, oh my good, I, I'm not quite sure. But maybe some of the characters I play on Power Rangers Hyperforce here at Hyper RPG 
because like Alpha, even though he's not he's an NPC, he's probably one of the characters that I've played the longest because even when I was playing Norm with my Adventurers League, I uh <laughs> I think I used up both my deaths. So I think after that you're out, like and you have to roll a new character. So you know, being a character that's not very smart and always runs into these situations and pulls the enemies, you don't last too long, but it's kind of fun for me. Were you able to deal with Norm's death well? Oh, absolutely, because I was the cause of it. I think some of my friends at the table who are so careful about their character, I think it's more devastating for them because it's like, oh no, they did everything right. It's just the dice were horrible to them. However, I'm kind of like, that was that was my fault. I I accept that. And I don't know, that's just part of um it's just part of role playing. Sure there was parts of Norm's character that I was like, oh my goodness, Norm has this whole backstory about how, you know, he was shunned from his clan and, you know, he, he was his father's favorite sibling and then he did this thing and he became the big disappointment of the family. So that like never came out, but it was still fun for me to imagine. Did the GM try to avoid a character death for you? No, but I think that's the sign of a good GM because like it happened and my group was like, whoa, slow down. And they knew I was kind of a D&D noob, but at the end of the, the game, he was like, you know, I don't like killing characters, but you know, you never have those epic heroic moments if you aren't overcoming real challenges. Did you learn anything from that GM that you folded into your own style of GMing? So this is something, I don't know how much I can reveal here, but um, I because I was new to D&D, I had tried to take down this dragon because I'm like, oh, that's cool. And all everybody else at the table, they were kind of metagaming a little bit. And they were like, oh, what color is the dragon? So they knew what kind of damage it would do. But I didn't know it was going to be an acid dragon. So I run up and I get huge like acid damage. And I ask my GM immediately, where does it happen? And he's like, oh, it hit like the side of your face and it ran down your shoulder. And I'm like, that's great. Because I did survive that battle, thank goodness, for my teammates. And from then on, I always described my character arriving with this like badass acid burn scar on one side of my orc's face. So I I love those kinds of things. I call them kind of like the the tattoos, the battle scars, the trinkets that you gain from your your journey beyond the in-game loot. So when did you first begin GMing? I think I first GM'd on Twitch at Hyper RPG. It might have been the Mechaverse Kaiju uh, uh, game, and I think we did two, it was like two shots of a one shot, so we did it twice, and that was really crazy, because you know, at Hyper RPG, or for those who don't know, we always try to include audience interaction in that game, so you don't know what that extra element of chaos is going to turn out to be. So for as long as you've been GMing, then you've always had a co-writer in some form, then. Yeah, for sure. Well, on Hyperforce, Zach, Savon Brands, and Cameron and I, we, like, work out story beats. But even for the one-shots, like, when I did a Pacific Rim RPG or the Mechaverse Kaiju, I wrote those stories out myself. But you're absolutely right. Um, it's like the chat room is another player at the table. Was it difficult to GM in a shark suit? Oh my goodness. <laughs> I was super overwhelmed by the shark suit because it was like too big for me. So I was just like swimming in it. But um, I love that suit. And anybody else who watches Hyper RPG, maybe you've seen me wear that Godzilla costume. And as a performer, it's super freeing. I have a friend who's a very close, um, he's a very close friend of mine, actor and director, and t and for him, he told me that he feels the most free when he's acting, when he's wearing a mask. 
His favorite type of acting is mask acting. And I think for me, when I put on <laughs> the shark suit or the Godzilla costume or something ridiculous like that, that's when you're really set free and you can kind of lower your inhibitions and you don't have to worry about, do I look ugly when I make this face? Do I look dumb? Am I, you know, is this voice stupid? All that kind of goes away when you can go inside the suit. So I wish I could put on more and more ridiculous things. It's my dream to be inside like a Power Rangers monster suit one day. So you're not working on an Alpha 55 cosplay then? You know what? That is a really good idea. I might have to steal that. Uh, one of the main concerns that people have when GMing a story is railroading players. How do you address that concern? So I'm not the best person, I feel, to answer this question because I've done it before, and it's particularly tough in Hyperforce because we have to have... Um, so we've explained it to Saban Brands, and we have an awesome relationship with them, but they kind of want to know what's going to happen, and I have to tell them we can't know what's going to happen because the dice decide and the players decide, and if I make things happen, I am railroading the players. But luckily, I'm also a game designer, and I always try to explain to my friends who do linear types of storytelling, who write scripts and novels and comic books, who want to get into video game writing. You have to do your storytelling, you have to do your writing in kind of modular nodes, and it doesn't matter what order too much that the players visit those nodes, but they have to be kind of modular and self-contained so that they can be shifted around. And that way you aren't trying to make, you know, players go from point A to point B to point C. It's more like, you know, you have point one, two, and three, and three might happen before two, but that's okay. On Hyperforce, how many of the players are first-time role players? Andre, the black nerd, and Strawberry17, Megan Camarena, they were complete tabletop RPG noobs. And they were so brave to step up to the plate. And I think they've really grown. And what's cool is you can kind of watch them grow over the course of the episodes. Before we went live for our first episode, we did have about two or three practice sessions with the cast all together. So they did have like a session or two um, or three, depending on the cast member and when we cast them to practice. But that was super intimidating for them. Um, Christina V has role played before, but isn't like a huge, from my understanding, tabletop role play. It's not something she did weekly with her friends on her own. Polly Schreier, he is a huge tabletop uh, role player. He's played all sorts of things, not only D&D, but other systems as well for decades. So when we asked him to be on the project, he was super excited. And Peter as well, he also has jammed on our channel, but he also has jammed just for his friends, for his roommates. So both Polly and Peter were the more seasoned role players. How did you introduce Andre and Megan into role playing in a way that would not be traumatic like you had experienced. So actually you had Bert on the GM of pencils and parsecs also on your podcast. And what I love about him is he has a lot of patience and forgiveness. He's such a wonderful human being, very inspiring to me on and off camera. And I, I was inspired by that. And I also have a lot of patience and forgiveness. So even when it happens on the show where even I make mistakes with, you know, the rules, I don't say, okay, we have to go, you know, back to that again. I just emphasize the story because that's why everybody's watching. And I'll just remind them, actually, you were supposed to do this, but that's okay. And moving forward, we will do it correctly. So uh, you know, bringing a very positive, uh, forgiving attitude is, I think, very good, being very understanding. And also, I had the benefit of being the one that created the system, and I created the system to be an all-ages kind of RPG, so that in the future, hopefully, 
we could have this scenario where legacy fans, people like me who are in their late 20s, early 30s, and who have kids who are watching Power Rangers now, you know, the parent could be the GM and the little kids could also role play with the parent and it would be completely understandable to a newcomer to an RPG. When you were designing the system, where did you start? As a game designer, I always outline my goals first and think of the emotional journey that I want the players to feel. This system is all about feeling like a Power Ranger. And what did that mean to me and what does that mean to other people? And to me, it was about teamwork, diversity, heroism, tough uh, decisions, but also from a system standpoint, getting better and better in very distinct, nameable stages. So when you're not morphed, you may be an awesome martial artist, but then you become morphed. Then you get into your Zord, then you get into your Megazord. So those are very distinct stages that have a very distinct progression. So I chose D6s because I feel like they're very approachable. I think D20s are intimidating and it makes the numbers bigger to add, especially for little kids. So it's like, okay, you can play this game at home with regular dice that you have. You can just steal them from your Monopoly game or something like that. And I created a system like, all right, how can we make people feel like, yeah, it's morphin' time. And then they feel stronger. And then, you know, they call down their Zord. And then they feel stronger. And then they, you know, team up with their team and make their Megazord. And then, you know, online, Megazord mode activate, you know, whatever season you're trying to role play in. Then you you feel even more and more stronger. And so the core, and I think the heart of my RPG system for Power Rangers Hyperforce is adding more D6 to your hand when you grow in those distinct stages. But you have to earn them, and that's why I created the the energy. So far, there have been a couple of times where you tweaked the system a little, having play-tested it on air. Is there ever a time when you feel that a game system has been finished or completed, or do you always feel the need to keep going back and adding adjustments? <laughs> like all types of art, I think you could always add to it, even conceptually, right? Because there are even other IP where you feel like you get better and better in distinct stages, right? However, because... Our deal with Saban Brands was to keep the project secret. We didn't want to spoil the secret. We wanted this big debut. I didn't have the option to go around and play test the system with hundreds of people. So, yes, I did have to make adjustments to the system after the show started. But um, it was for the better. And also, I have to deal with an additional thing, which is the chat room and making it a show. You know, for the show, I think it's more compelling to not know the enemy's HP or not knowing what the GM, like, you know, at first I think they would announce that they rolled a six and I rolled a three and you kind of knew the outcome already. And then I got some feedback actually from Lucas Eubank and also Zach that instead of just saying that, because that's the way I'm used to playing at home with my friends, instead of just saying that, just describe what happened so that the people at home watching are at the edge of their seat being like, did they succeed or not? Did they succeed or not? And then I'll say, you know, you let your arrow fly and it just grazed past their shoulder and it's a miss, right? So there was a lot of adjustments that I had to learn, kind of live feedback, but it's, it's kind of fun because then you guys can have insight to seeing how the system is developed. But you know, a lot of conventions are coming up this year, Gen Con, and I've pitched this idea, I don't know if it will happen, that I would love to just play more games with the fans to continue to hone in the system as something that might be fun uh, for people at home. What is your opinion on fudging the dice rolls? So... I'm in this situation where we have a time constraint, and it's a very strict time constraint because our 
performers, our cast members, our players, they're under contract for a certain amount of time. And a lot of them are very busy. Like some of them, right after the show, they have to go record a video audition for another role that they're on. So I completely understand and respect their hustle. So I'm, I'm under a very strict time restraint. And ultimately, the most important thing to me is to tell a Power Rangers type story. And one of the big things about Power Rangers is a finishing move. And it's usually really epic. And I love it because it's a big explosion. And then sometimes the Rangers turn their back on the explosion and they face the camera. And there's just this huge explosion behind them on their shoulder. So I don't fudge dice rolls, especially if they're very bad. You know, like if I roll extremely poorly or they extreme roll extremely poorly, or if I roll extremely well or they roll extremely well, I, I can't do that. Um, however, there are, there I will admit, there have been times where I had a set written down HP for the monster and they didn't quite, you know, bring that monster down to zero, but I'm okay with that for two reasons. One, in the world of Power Rangers, um, monsters aren't killed. They're defeated or they're destroyed. And sometimes after they're defeated, they come back. So it would make sense, okay, this monster would, you know, go up in an ex explosion or something, but they still had, you know, X amount of uh, HP. Additionally, when the players describe very uh, smartly something that sounds like an epic finish, because, all right, they know a little bit about that monster now. He's made out of wood. Maybe he's flammable. Maybe I'm going to use my fire weapon in a very smart way. Um, and they describe it in a very epic way. I try to kind of, well, it's close enough. I'm going to really sell this moment as the big finish. Because what is more important to me than the numbers is telling an epic Power Rangers story, an epic Power Rangers moment. And I think I was pretty clear with the players and the audience from the, the beginning. That is my ultimate goal. Can you recall the very first thing that the cast on Hyperforce did that you did not expect them to do? Oh my goodness. <laughs> I guess that's my catchphrase now. I have so many moments, but I don't, I don't even remember like which one was first. I didn't realize burritos was going to become a meme on the show. I think early on in the season, I allowed them to go in the ranger pocket training dimension. I didn't know what they were going to do in there. I didn't realize it was just going to be rainbows and glitter and unicorns and puffy clouds like marshmallows, but they rolled very well, so they got it. There was this moment that's been a very popular clip where... Christina V says, Alpha, are you, like, Spanish? Because you always say, ay, ay, ay. That was hilarious. And then that episode where JDF came on and says, Alpha, it's your turn to rap. I'm like, oh, no, what do I do? So those were, they have been pretty much surprise moments in every episode. But those are the few that pop into my, uh, oh, actually, okay. Now that I've kind of talked it out, I remember. I did not think or realize or plan out that Eddie and Vesper were going to be an item. That was, the I think, the first big thing that happened on the show. And you can see I'm just smiling because I think it's so sweet. It's so cute. I had no idea that was going to happen. With most GMs starting up a game... They don't know how many episodes or sessions they are going to have with that game. Do you feel that having the 25-episode finish line for you is helpful in having a goal that you know that you're going to? It's good and it's bad. And here is what I think about that. First of all... Every episode that has happened so far, we are building to a, a longer story arc. And there is a final kind of resting point that we want to land on. And I hope it's compelling. 
I think it's compelling and I'm very excited to get to that point, but I'm also excited about the journey to getting to that point. However, RPGs take time. Like you were asking me, how long have you played certain characters? I know people play characters for years. We've seen campaigns go on for long uh, time on YouTube and Twitch for other people will also kind of video record and play their RPGs publicly. And I, I want to know what those characters are going to be like years from now. And I don't know if we're going to have that opportunity. That's where the fan community comes in and starts writing their fiction. Oh my goodness. So <laughs> I keep saying, oh my goodness. I guess it is my catchphrase. I'm very aware of it now that it's an emote. Um, if you look in the Power Rangers Hyperforce fan group that we made on Facebook, a lot of people started sharing their own ideas. And you can tell people have been thinking about creating their own team of rangers for a long time because as a longtime fan of power rangers it's natural that you're like whoa that's so cool i wonder what i would do in that situation i wonder what it would be like to morph and to feel immediately stronger and you know would i feel cooler i don't know so i love that the tabletop rpg even more so than some of the other mediums where Power Rangers stories can happen invites people's imagination. I absolutely love it. It's so exciting for me. Of course, I love my own ideas. I love what we bring to the table and what we create during those three hours every week. But I also love that other people have had their imaginations ignited in the world of Power Rangers. As a longtime fan of the franchise, do you feel like there's added pressure on you to prove that you're a longtime fan? So I think this happens a lot in all kind of nerdy fandoms, nerdy communities. And as also a content creator, I'm, you know, I'm a game designer. I've worked on digital and analog games. I think that's kind of lame and I wish any fan out there who feels like imposter syndrome or feels like they're not enough of a fan from the creator's standpoint, that's silly. So, of course, I felt, because I, I was chosen, right? I, I got the thumbs up from Saban Brands to GM the show. Of course, I felt pressure to live up to the fans' expectations, and I did a lot of research, that kind of thing. However, I was surprised by the Power Rangers community. They are really, really cool. Some communities for different video games and TV shows and comic books and novels, their community is so protective and they're like guard dogs and they won't let anybody in because you're not a walking encyclopedia about that IP. I find the majority of Power Rangers fans are not like that. I think that is so beautiful and is so cool. And I think that comes from, it's a testament of what the show is itself. It's a show that's always promoted diversity. It's always had, you know, female rangers. And it, you know, it embraces teamwork and heart. So it makes sense that a big portion of the community actually expresses, you know, let's welcome people in no matter, you know, what you look like, what race you are, what gender you are. And and they love Power Rangers. I love Power Rangers. Let's just all get along. Hyperforce has had its share of firsts for a 25-year-old franchise. First female Black Ranger, first East Asian Red Power Ranger. Were those all brought to you, or did you have any input on trying to make those happen. So, if you guys don't know, Power Rangers, the television show, is based off of Super Sentai footage. So they have to fit that. So if there was a female in the Pink Ranger suit, we have to put a female actor in the American version for Power Rangers, right? So there's also New Zealand actors. However, what I loved is Saban Brands actually takes diversity to heart. When we were no longer bound by fitting to the Super Sentai footage, yeah, let's bring in a ranger with a different body type. 
let's bring in a ranger who is female and, you know, another color that's usually not female. Also, we, we actually talked about, uh, Peter is actually, I think, Southeast Asian. He's uh, in an Asian heritage. And they, Saban Brand said, we've never had a female Red Ranger and we've never had an Asian male Red Ranger in the Power Rangers television show. So we were saying it's got to be one of those two options. Let's actually, you know, do what we say we want to do and actually express diversity and expand what a Power Ranger can be. So I, I thought it was awesome. You know, we even talked about, hey, maybe like we could have a male pink Power Ranger. You know, we talked to the cast members about what color they liked. And uh, yeah, that's why we had a lot of firsts. It was really from the bottom of our hearts, from Hyper RPG and Saban Brands, we cared about diversity and we actually made it happen. So did Paul want to be yellow specifically? That was kind of a process of elimination kind of thing. Andre had already agreed, and so we got we allowed him to choose, and so he chose blue. He loves blue. He loves Billy Cranston, um, both from the new movie and the television show. So we were thinking about Polly, and there was a few other options left. And I think it was he could have been something else. I think he could have been black, if I'm not mistaken. However, we like the idea of like, oh, let's make it different. Let's make the female, the other female on the team, the Black Ranger. And then we thought, you know, Polly, we think we could really inhabit it, like, you know, uh, and then we chose, um, we also were trying to pair up the colors with the Titan mythology because that was the agreed upon theme. And we're like, oh, what would go with a ram? So that was one of the few animals. So we're like, oh, maybe uh, Peter was like, you know, like there was the golden fleece, like maybe we'll make the ram yellow. And we're like, dude, we love this. You know, everybody knows him as Bulk. And Bulk is now a ranger, and he has, like, a ram rush. And so we talked to Polly about this, and, like, do you like this concept? And he was like, I love it. And he actually came up with some of his attack names that we wrote on the cards for the show. So it was a collaboration between the cast members, Saban Brands, all of us. But we did want to create changes for the franchise, and it, it was fun to do so. Are there any other hidden details, like the... Ram being yellow because of the golden fleece that people haven't quite caught on to yet? I love kind of the Asian mythology that the Super Sentai is based off of. They've had multiple ninja seasons. They've had multiple Sentai seasons. And I think some of the way they treat teamwork is kind of very familiar to Asian storytelling. However, this is the first um, Saban-created ranger team. And I also love Western mythology, and so did Peter, who helped us uh, design some of the zords and the um, weapons and suits and that kind of thing. So we knew we were going to be kind of almost like a second season to Time Force. And they used the term Kronos, right? The god of time, the Greek god of time. Kronos is one of the titans, and he has 12 titan brothers and sisters. So if you, or excuse me. Together, there are 12 brothers and sisters, so that meant he had five other brothers and six other sisters, right? So I was like, oh, we're going to have a team of five other rangers. Let's name them and theme them after the other brothers of Kronos, the god of time. And then if we bring on, I don't know, no promises here, but if we bring on any additional second season or sixth or seventh like special ranger they could be themed off of the titan sisters so that was kind of the original concept for the theme it was kind of difficult because not all of the titans are directly associated with some kind of animal so i really had to dig through greek mythology to find a animal that would sort of go with the titans that we chose. For example, Oceanus is associated with a serpent. There are statues of him, like, holding up some kind of sea serpent snake thing. But Creus and Iapetus and stuff, some of them don't have, like, direct links to other animals, but there might have been a piece of art where there was, like, a line in the background with this depiction of this titan god. So that's kind of where we got the inspiration. Now, I know myself and a fair number of other fans have had difficulty drawing a line between Polly Schreier and Bulk. 
How long did it take you to get used to that? Okay. I don't know if I'm embarrassing myself or him by saying this, but as a huge fan of Power Rangers ever since Mighty Morphin, you know, he comes into Hyper RPG Studios, which is also my house, and, like, I saw him, and his face looks exactly the same. It's not like one of those people who, like, oh, you know, he looks different from the TV show. And, like, I heard the theme song in my head, you know, and I'm like, Malika, don't be weird. You know, he's a full human being, but there was, like, the little bit of a fan part of me that overtook, and I'm like, come on, don't be strange. But immediately after, like, shaking his hand and talking to him, wow, what an incredible guy. He is more funny in real life than he is on the show. It, you know, like, well, he's always telling jokes, he, and he has a kindness to his smile, the way he presents him. It's just like, you know, like, people have that little sparkle in the eye, and you're like, wow, what a good person. So immediately, just talking to him for a few minutes, he became that full person to me. And of course, I knew he was a full person, but I never got to experience it until I met him in person. So incredible. He's very creative. He's given me a lot of uh, ideas behind the scenes. Very um, awesome to collaborate with. And he does his, his own thing, too. He's a creative director. He has a full-time job doing other stuff, managing other artists. Um, he's worked on comic books. He's directed his own things. What an amazing guy. I see online a lot of people are like, Bulk finally got to be a ranger. Yeah, but no. He is such a talented performer. I think one of the best actors that Power Rangers has ever had. I think that's why he's been on so many seasons. And I love seeing him explore this other character as an actor. And um, I think, yeah, some of the fans have a hard time separating, like, no, that's Bulk. But to me, you know... It's just an actor doing another incredible performance. If you were to put your cast as themselves, not their characters, in Dungeons & Dragons roles, which roles do you think they would occupy? Oh my goodness. Uh, <laughs> um, well, I think... I think... Christina V and Megan might be like little like halflings or some something like that. I think they would play these like little clever characters in the background because they're so like silly and fun. Um, I think. Hmm. I don't. I don't know. That's a really hard question. I have to think about it. I want. I know he plays a ranger on the show, but I I could see Peter as a ranger. I don't know what race. Um, Andre. Ooh, I don't know what Andre would play. I think Andre is a little more careful. He would play one of those ranged characters for sure. Maybe something with magic. Like a wizard or that kind of thing. I don't, I don't know. It's a, hard, it's a hard question. The other night after an episode during one of the Fireside Chats... The chat asked Andre what he would want to run as an RPG, and he answered Smurfs. If you had the option, and this is you saying you want to run this does not mean it will happen, in case any thumpers are listening and get it in their head. But if there was an RPG that you could run as a one-shot, which would you like to run? Well, I don't want it to be just a one-shot. But Digimon, I'm a huge Digimon fan. And I think the system that I use to run Power Rangers Hyperforce could be very easily adapted to something like Digimon. Because, just like Power Rangers, who go from unmorphed to morphed to Zord to Megazord, Digimon digivolve into higher and higher level as well. Now, would you be playing as a human or as a Digimon? So that is really interesting to me. So does that mean all the players are digi-destined and they all have basically the equivalent of a pet that they send out and that's the thing that gets like higher and higher level? Or 
Yeah, I mean, I guess I would probably play the villain, and most of the villains in that season are in Digimon are um, also Digimon, like Myotismon, which is like a vampire-themed Digimon, who is very, uh, he's he's very fun. I, I think it would be a lot of fun to play that character. So I would also, I guess, Digivolve to keep up with the players who are also um, Digivolving their Digimon. Are there any shows on Hyper RPG right now that you've been wanting to guest on? Well, I have been on Roguelike, and some of our shows are on Hyatt. I've also been on Indomitable. I was, there was some talk between Zach and I to be on Vanquished. Um, however, logistically, it did not work, because I wanted to play one of the characters that are actually in the Valiant comic book. So, ah. Uh, We'll see. Maybe. I can dream. And then I haven't been at the table with Bert as the GM. And like I said, love the guy. He's great. He's a great GM. I've been at the table when we play as friends, but I, I don't think I've done it on air with you guys. So anything that he GMs, pencils and parsecs or anything else. Have you given any thought to a character in the Star Wars universe? So I'm not a huge Star Wars person. However, the universe is so large. And I'm like, Bert, the other day I asked him, Bert, I've never read any of the Star Wars books, but I heard they're great. Where do I start? And then he made me a list. I think the first book was a collection of short stories. So I... What I would probably do is if I were on Pencils and Parsecs, if they would have me, I would be very honored, is to kind of look at what we already have on the show and ask for what do we need? What is something that you guys don't have on the show where I could come in and like be that thing for a little while, you know, in terms of character alignment, race, motivations, that kind of thing, secret, um, and uh, probably do something to help propel the story, because I think it's a really awesome one. At this point, do you prefer being a GM over a player at a table? No, I think I enjoy both. Being a GM, I love doing the world building, but as a player, you can also contribute to the world building, and then you can kind of focus. So when I'm a GM, I miss being able to really focus and flesh out a character. When I'm a player, I kind of miss having that kind of bird's eye view on the world we're building together because you just, you only know what's in front of you. So I enjoy both, but I admit, you know, when I'm on one side of the table, I'm like, oh man, I really wish I could flesh this out. And on the, when I'm on the other side, I'm like, oh man, I wish I could flesh that part out, the world. How do you keep your players engaged when it's somebody else's turn? So I think I have an advantage of the Hyperforce cast being very professional. Even though they are playing an RPG, they're also all professional talent. They've all been on camera before, so they stay engaged. Um, we've had a little conversation about uh, walk-ons. So I don't know if you're familiar from this of this term. In improv, most of the time, a scene will start with two people. And they find whatever is funny or unusual about the situation. And then it escalates from there. And maybe one person plays, like, the straight person. And one plays the, the, the crazy person. The straight man and the crazy man, you know. And other members of the improv team will do what is called a walk-on. So they'll walk onto the scene after they listen to the scene that they're building, add something to it, and walk off. So that was something that I discussed with my cast, where if two people are building a scene together, respect that scene, and if you walk on, don't make it about your idea. Add another brick to the wall that is already being built between these two characters. So that's how I try to get them to engage uh, when they're not, when it's not their turn. Personally speaking, what has been your favorite scene? Well, when, spoilers, Vesper became evil 
And then she used, like, the supers and the ultras to attack Eddie. That was incredible. And there was even, I saw fans write some comments at first. I was upset about that because how could you do that to another player? But then I realized what an epic storytelling moment that um, the game mechanics created for us. So that is one of my personal favorite moments of the story so far. Is a ranger turning evil one of your favorite Power Rangers tropes? Actually, I would say the reverse. You're very close there. A evil character turning good is one of my favorite Power Rangers tropes. That and, you know, like the goofy stuff, the body swap, the monsters that really ham it up, that kind of thing. Do you have any plans to do any monsters that rap? No, but I'm not saying it won't happen. I have been listening to more rap music. Just in case, you know, I have another situation where my players are like, Alpha, what do you have to say? And I'm like, oh no. So I have been listening to more rap music just to uh, get the beat down. And I used to organize, when I was in high school, slam poetry competitions. So I've been thinking about my, my former life as a slam poetry organizer and what I can learn about that so I don't feel so nervous when people ask me to rap. How does it feel to go from being a Power Rangers fan to an official Power Rangers showrunner? I have just been so grateful overall for this entire experience and journey. I mean, I love Power Rangers so much and embraces, I think, core life values that I have about, you know, teamwork and diversity and being here. I love it. I love it so much. That show has so much heart. I've never felt ashamed to admit I'm a Power Rangers fan. I know a lot of fans out there are like, oh yeah, I love Power Rangers, but you know, it's like super cheap. Like they have to qualify it or kind of, no, I've never been that way. And so, you know, meeting Saban Rands, so incredible. We had meetings in the Megazord meeting room. Like, that's what they call their meeting room at the offices. Uh, all the new friendships that I've been able to foster with my cast. Like, we have a group text message and we text each other. Not only stuff about the show and story and things we want to explore, but just like, how are we doing and that kind of thing. Um, and then also being able to join the Power Rangers community because... They, I guess I was kind of scared and intimidated and I had imposter syndrome. Like, I don't post enough on the Ranger boards. I'm not a big enough Power Rangers fan. But overall, they've been so positive and they've embraced the show and me and the cast members and our ideas and each other. And I think my original family, the Thumper family, I think there's been some really uh, beautiful crossover and some new members who have joined who also just have you know, awesome things that they love. So everything overall has been really, really like fantastic. Sure, you know, I get nervous about things and there are things in the moment and I didn't play test the system as much as I didn't like to before the show start, but those things are small in comparison to just the overall feeling of gratitude I have for everybody involved and that this could even happen. The day after an episode, are you excited that you just had an episode that went well? Or is there a little bit in the back of your mind where it's one step closer to the season finale? I do a little work for the show, Hyperforce, every day of the week. All right, On Tuesday, I actually do the show. On Monday, I'm preparing for the show. You know, on Sunday, uh, it's like from like Thursday to Sunday, I'm discussing with Saban Brands about the show. So I'm always doing work. And I have this um, little sleep, quality sleep app that kind of tracks my sleep cycle throughout the week. And my worst night of sleep is Monday night. I guess because I'm so anxious about the show and I really want all the things to happen happens 
And then my best night of sleep is Tuesday night because it's like, phew, we did it. We got a whole week to prepare for next week's episode. So that's kind of my weekly cycle. But after an episode, I don't think about like, oh no, the season's going to end or this or that. What I'm mostly focused on is this is everything that just happened. What needs to happen next? Because anything can happen on that episode, we need to, as a writing team, Cameron and Zach and myself, we need to react to what happens to get it approved in time for next week's episode. So that's where my mind is the day after. And day of, what does a typical Tuesday look like for you? I have an entire ritual. I try to wake up early, but not too early. And I write out index cards or journal entries about how the whole episode is going to go through. Of course, I don't know what the players are going to do in a certain setting or scenario, but in my journal and in my little note cards, I try to write out, well, how does that world look? And more importantly, how does that world feel? When you walk in, is it incredibly cold and dark and mysterious or creepy? Or as you arrive in this new era out of your time ship, is the sun shining and people are smiling and they're on dates and they're eating ice cream? So I try to flesh that out. And that takes me at least three hours I additionally give extra motivational notes to my players. And when I say motivational notes, not only encouragement, but remember, focus on these emotional beats. Like, this just happened to you. You know, you haven't seen your brother in so many years. How would you feel about that? And and I won't tell them what the emotion is, but clearly it should be a strong one. You know, would you be very upset? very confused, very angry, very hurt, very sad, or a mixture of all those things. So I also will talk to them about that. And then I do a lot of prep work at the studio. I lay out their cards, their player mats. Um, If we are introducing new Zords, Megazords, weapons, that kind of thing, I have to finalize the card designs and I print them out the day of on Tuesday. Um, Additionally, If there is a special guest, I am working with them down to the wire to understand what an RPG is. So they will come an hour or more early for me to teach them the whole thing. Uh, So that, especially those days with a special guest, there's a lot of, a lot of work to be done. Um, And then there's, there's other stuff too. I try to make the cast feel comfortable here. I try to make a quick run to the store and get their favorite snacks. I clean my guest's bathroom so that the bathroom is clean. I mean, we're a small production. I have to be everything from janitor to writer to, you know, production assistant to all sorts of things. And I work a full-time job, but they allow me to take Tuesday off to just focus on all these tasks on Tuesday. And, of course, um, try to post on social media and hype up the fans as well. When people hear that there are writers for Hyperforce, some people will think that it means that the show is entirely scripted. What percentage of a show would you say is scripted? It depends on the episode, but I would say, um, maybe like if I were going to do a percentage, maybe like 30%, and sometimes it's even less, like 10%. And when I say scripted, I never mean actual lines of dialogue. I don't think we've ever done that ever where it's like, you will walk into the room and say this. Never, ever done that. When I say scripted, I say plot points and outline. So first we will end up in this era, especially with a special guest. We we have to do that, right? Because how do you meet that ranger from the RPM era or dimension, or how do we meet somebody in Mighty Morphin? So it kind of has to be that way. I think the first episode, there was a little bit more because there were a lot of new people, including Aaron Cahill, who they were so, you know, 
intimidated or blown away with like all the stuff that's happening and there's the game rules and there's the dice and then who they were still learning their characters so there was a little bit more beats for them to support uh them through that first episode but yeah i would say maybe like if i were to give a percentage i don't know how you can measure this maybe like 30 percent. it's more real we really strip it down to the bare elements of storytelling how many threats are there do we need to increase the stakes can we develop a relationship here so that we can tear it away by the end of the next episode so we we talk about in very broad storytelling terms unless like this is how things are done Having to go back through and read up on different series that the Hyperforce are going to be in, have you developed a new appreciation for teams that you may not have been familiar with at first? Absolutely, and I do more than just read up on. I just sit there and, if I can, watch the entire season. So it is a huge investment of my time. Usually the weekend before, all through Saturday, all through Sunday. And Andre has actually joined me. It was on Thanksgiving Day. I was doing research for the show and Andre came over and we were just eating Thanksgiving mashed potatoes and cranberry sauce and turkey and watching all of RPM together. So I absolutely have gotten a new appreciation for all the Ranger seasons because I'm looking for it. You know... In the Ranger fandom, people talk about when they peaked. I think, for me, Power Rangers in Space was the season that was like, oh my, that's what I remember. That's what I love. That was my favorite. Oh my goodness. You know, I love Turbo Zeal, uh, Unlocks Galaxy, but like Power Rangers in Space, that was like the one for me. Maybe because I was old enough to understand and, you know, the storytelling had really advanced. However, I had, I think, an underappreciation for RPM. I remember trying to watch it. I was confused. That first episode is like, ah, this doesn't even feel like Power Rangers. It's like, you know, Power Rangers goes to Mad Max in a post I I didn't get it. But after watching the entire season, wow, that's probably one of my favorites now. I'll cut this if it's a spoiler. Does Vesper still have some of the Vengex virus in her? You do not have to cut this part out. And the answer is, I don't know. That's a good answer for a GM. Absolutely. And we will put things in the story. Like, that was, you know, scripted, right? Like, I knew that was going to happen. That's what I made to happen. So that, in the future, maybe she could. Maybe she couldn't. I don't know what she's going to do with her character. And I don't know in the future where we're going, if that might make it a compelling story point or not. Going to start wrapping up, but before we do, I'm going to ask you some questions from the Pivo questionnaire pioneered by Bernal Pivo. What is your favorite word? Love. What is your least favorite word? Cringe. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? It's all about love, and not just in the romantic sense. A deep, profound love that gives you gratitude for life and other people and respect. What turns you off? People who are cringe you know when people are so dismissive that really bothers me also people who are kind of so jaded that it has kind of closed their minds and closed their hearts to how beautiful life and the human experience can be let me know if you can answer this one what is your favorite curse word to hear from your players I don't or think reaction my... <laughs> to get from. Um, I don't think my players do say curse words. I think once somebody, I think it was Peter, he might have said crap, or he definitely thought it. <laughs> Only Zach is swearing. Only Zach. And <laughs> people c- 
clipped and screenshotted and gifted or whatever the moment he said it. Because I, like, turned my head and I was like, what? And you could see, like, a vein popping out of my neck. Because I was, what are you doing? What sound or noise do you love? I love the sound of rain uh, and white noise. What sound or noise do you hate? I can still hear very high-pitched frequencies of, like, any kind of electronics and malfunctioning or that ringtone kids use to get undetected by adults. It's horrible. I hate it. What game system would you like to attempt to GM? I've already done it, but I would love to explore this much, much more. I love the Fate system. I think it's really, really cool. What game system would you not like to attempt to GM? I have been on DFA once, and I don't know if I could keep track of all that stuff. That and... I don't know. I love the world of Shadowrun, but I also heard Shadowrun. Uh, the game system is very complicated. When Hyperforce concludes, what would you like to hear from your players? I want to keep doing it! Yeah! And that is also what you'd like to hear from Saban. Absolutely. Or what actually has been really rewarding to me is now Megan came on back at Hyper RPG and she was on 10 Candles. So I love hearing from Power Rangers fans who haven't played RPGs and from my cast that like they really enjoy RPGs now. For a hypothetical season two, would you prefer to stay with the team you have now or would you want to do a new team? I've actually talked to Saban Brands about this, and I like both ideas. However, I feel like the current team we have right now, they are just hitting their stride, and, you know, I think they could go a lot further if we had a season two with this cast. At the same time, Power Rangers has this kind of cycle of, as Peter says, a beautiful cycle of death and rebirth where they pass the torch to another team. And I feel like that is also very part of what it means to be a ranger. So I think it could go beautifully both ways. And finally, if you could travel back in time to watch one person sneeze, who would it be? What kind of question is that? Uh, so a real life person, not a fictional person. You can answer both. You know the, uh... <laughs> I'm just laughing, imagining it. You know that captain in Pirates of the Caribbean who has, like, a squid face? Yes. I would love to see him sneeze because it would be all, like, gooey and, like, And in terms of a real-life person, huh. I don't know. Maybe, like... Cleopatra or something because I always imagined her or actually Nefertiti you know both of them were supposed to be these beautiful regal women from ancient Egypt um, but I heard that like back then people actually had really horrible teeth because sand would blow into their food and like I would love to see somebody who was supposed to be a legendary beauty just sneeze I, I wonder if they would have a very dainty sneeze or a big ugly like Rachu! Thank you for joining us in the studio today. And thank you so much for all the work that you've done for Hyper RPG, getting the podcast ready, and uh, for taking the time to talk to me. I love to talk to people. My DMs are open on Twitter. I'm a super nerd. If you want to talk anything nerdy with me, just send me a DM, tweet at me, message me. It's all cool. I actually prefer, though, just at and tag me because then other people can join in on the conversation. For the Audio Entropy fans listening, make sure to head over to twitch.tv slash hyperrpg to check out all their great shows. You can also head to YouTube to find their past broadcasts. Or you can catch some of their shows in podcast form on iTunes, Spotify, or however you listen to podcasts. I would especially recommend checking out Pencils and Parsecs, a Star Wars RPG using Fantasy Flight's Edge of the Empire system. For members of the Thumper fam listening, 
Head on over to audioentropy.com for this podcast and others like Teenagers with Attitude, a Power Rangers rewatch podcast, Totally Reprise, a Totally Spies rewatch, and Let's Place, a podcast where every video game ever is scientifically ranked. If you're not already an Audio Entropy listener or Thumper fam, then thanks for finding this. And go check out both of those places. I've been your host, Moon Rules, and may the power protect you always. Always.